This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Welcome to Women at Work. I'm Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics, and I'm excited to bring you the last installment of our special series, Reframe Voices of Change. Reframe's a partnership between the Sundance Institute and WIF Los Angeles, and the series is a collection of interviews taped at the Sundance Film Festival about the experience of women in the entertainment industry. As different as each of our guests have been, their experiences are often quite similar especially when it comes to sexist challenges to their authority on set and the undervalued but profound way that motherhood developed them as leaders. My first guest today has lived both of those realities and brings to them her characteristic humor and grace. Leah Thompson is an actress, director, and television producer. Her long list of successes includes Some Kind of Wonderful, Back to the Future, Caroline in the City, Little Women, and My Year of Spectacular Men, where she's gone from playing the ingenue to directing her own grown daughters. So one of the things I discovered was you were a classically trained ballet dancer. Yes, that was my biggest dream in life. I always wanted to be a ballet dancer. My oldest brother is 10 years older than me, was a ballet dancer. And uh, weirdly, like he's been doing the Nutcracker for like 52 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, like nonstop. Um, so I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And, um, but uh, I didn't really have the, uh, the best body for it. I had like all the, it was, it was, it was a, argument with God because I got this huge desire to do something that I couldn't do, which is something that, that you find in a lot of successful people or a lot of people is that they kind of end up doing what they, um, they end up doing something that they didn't dream they would do, you know? So I, I didn't really dream about being an actor. It kind of kept coming my way. And, um, I love dance and, uh, I love, I love that I have that background. A lot of actresses do. And, um, I, it, it, it's interesting because I have uh, such a bizarre education. My, you know, formal education is really not great. <laughs> um, I like, went to open schools. I graduated when I was 15. But just, you're also working. Yeah. Aside from the way that dance teaches an actor to use their body and move, mm -hmm. there's also a real culture there yeah. of perfectionism right. and a drive. Um, how were you emotionally shaped? Ooh, by wow. your training, and how has that shaped who you are now? Mm, it was kind of traumatic, actually. I would imagine. Yeah. It doesn't seem like an... Like, no, it's very traumatic, <laughs> <laughs> being a dancer. Um, my the, the company I grew up in was run by this incredible uh, woman who was way ahead of her time. Her name was Lois Holton, and she was brutal. Like she was just brutal, but any I think any kind of like physical training requires people to push you because you just naturally it's hard. And to, was to that brutality you. not just that you're physically working hard, but it was taking constant criticism? Yes, uh, constant. And I was very very hard on myself. I was actually I think a really depressed kid. Honestly, um, I was really hard on myself, and I still am. And it's funny, my daughter's always like, give yourself a break, give yourself a break, like you're doing good. My oldest daughter, and she still gives that to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I had a lot. I, I really looked up to this woman because she was a genius, but she was really difficult. She was difficult to my brother. She was difficult to me. Um, and it is about perfectionism, and it is about uh, you know fighting this fight against your body that's never going to be uh, perfect. So it's 
Um, almost a little heartbreaking to hear you say that because mm -hmm. you were one of those women that I looked at as I, you know, I'm your peer. And I was like, I want to look like you when oh, I grow up. And oh. to realize that you carried that burden of not feeling perfect. Yeah. How did you move past it? And how does it shape, how did it also shape the way you help your daughters feel good about themselves? Um, I think that uh, it's a beautiful time, I think, in, in terms of celebrating our differences and, um, and the different, different, oh gosh, appreciations of different beauty. And, um, with my kids, I, I don't know. I just always tried what I really tried to do because it's an interesting thing. Cause now when I look back, you're talking about that. I, you know, when you're a young woman, no matter how pretty you are, you don't feel pretty. And no, I know. Even Taylor Swift, I, I which know. we just learned. I know. It's, it's something about that, all that estrogen just makes you feel like you're not pretty. And at the same time, a really beautiful f girl's face is mesmerizing to people. I mean, I saw this where they're MRIing people's brains, gay, straight, whatever, women, men, and a beautiful, symmetrical, young woman's face lights up the pleasure Isn't centers of people's brains. And, and, and so when you are, now I realize when I look back, I'm, I was very, you, I, I was you are pretty. beautiful. You were beautiful. <laughs> I was pretty. And that's also like an interesting, creepy burden that you carry where you, um, I realize how much I tried to make people feel comfortable by diminishing myself. And I'm just getting over that. That is amazing. And I'm so proud of, like, my daughter Zoe Deutsch. She's a movie star. And my daughter Maddie Deutsch is an amazing uh, creative writer, director, composer, everything. But Zoe is, like, classically beautiful. Yeah, she, was on the cover of, she was on the cover of Cosmopolitan a few months ago. And she never tilts her head like I did. She never goes like this. She never tries to, like... To soften or soften diminish. Her, diminish her her beauty. She goes straight, like she goes straight at you know men with power. Just like look at me, <laughs> you know. Don't be you know. Don't be because I carry that burden of like centuries of pretty young women where you you had to like not get killed. You know what yeah, I mean? So and I think a lot of women are like that, no matter how pretty you are. But that that kind of like. And I didn't realize how much that affected me till I, you know, went through menopause and all of a sudden you're, you're, you feel invisible, you're invisible. <laughs> so like, you know, who cares? So like, you know, so I don't have to you, diminish myself. When you think back about that time, mm -hmm. um, cause we're also talking about this in the context of the hashtag me, me too movement mm -hmm. as this mm -hmm. pivotal moment in mm -hmm. Hollywood that it brought is. attention to stuff that's been going on for a long time. Right. Was this your mechanism to protect yourself, or was it mm -hmm. more about protecting? Um, was it physical protection, or was it kind of emotional, political interaction? Because you were a professional at fifteen, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was both. I think it's physical. I mean, it was my. Some people do things differently. This was the way I survived. Um, and I go back and I see some interviews of myself when I first started acting, and my voice is like this, and I'm like, I'm like, who is that person? Because I was a modern dancer. I was right. giving birth on stage. <laughs> I was like stomping, and you know what I mean? That wasn't me, like, in my heart. And you held the gaze of a country. I, I, well, also, I was unprepared for, I came from Minnesota, so I was unprepared for, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, I didn't have, you know, Yale drama school. Like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was not prepared for anything. So I had to always act like 
a, a younger child. You know, the, the youngest in the family always pretends they know what's going on and they are afraid to say, <laughs> what's going on? That's what, me, that's what I was like when I first got to Hollywood. And, and um, so it's been really, really exciting for me to see these movements and seeing directors that, that look like me and being a director for young actresses to see that could be me. I could be in a position of power. I can, I can not act like a man and still get stuff mm-hmm. done. And I can, I can be who I am and have my own managerial style how did and still you be effective. figure out how to grow into that? Because your career evolved in a lot of ways over mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And you kept finding um, and giving us new creative output. In that journey, how did you become comfortable in your skin and find your voice? Well, I think that, um, I don't know. You know, part of it is being becoming a mom. You know, Doesn't that change you? Yeah, it does. Uh, I remember before I was a mom when I would act angry, people would be like, oh, she's so cute. And then after I had a mom, it was a mom that I really knew what anger was, you know, right. you know, and people would be like, whoa, whoa, you know. And uh, so I, becoming a mother to two amazing young women just really started to give me, it was a kind of a back and forth thing. Like I gave them strength, they gave me strength. It's kind of like a, a really... I don't know, it's like a ladder that we climbed up together. I, I love hearing you talk about this because um, for so many women, um, for generations, the choice was, are you a mom? Are you a professional? As if mm-hmm. those two things were anathema to one another. Mm-hmm. And I've long contended that being a mom, becoming a mother, actually made me better in all of my professional pursuits. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, too, it let a I part agree. of you develop and evolve. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I think it just like helps you reach backward in time and forward in time at the same time. Like, I feel like that's what it did to me and in a way that is really profound. Talk to me about that reaching forward in time part. Well, you have more skin in the game, you know, about, uh, for me, about the women's movement, about um, women's issues. You know, I, I want, I feel like I'll, I'm, I can be strong as a mother as a, in a way I couldn't be as, a, as Leah. You know, I feel like for fighting for them, yeah. you know, like a mother lion or, you know, bear, I can do things that I, I, I couldn't do for myself. But it's that's a, just my stupid pathology. It's not, actually. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of research on this. Really? That when, if you want, there was a study done of who makes the most effective negotiators. Mm. Is it women on their own behalf, men on their own behalf, women on behalf of others, or men on behalf of others? Mm-hmm. And what they found was that on behalf of themselves, men are most effective, women are least effective. On behalf of other people, women are most effective. Whoa. Society actually accepts us as the mama bear. Uh-huh. But if you try and do that for yourself, then you get in real trouble. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's not your unique pathology. Wow. It's our collective power, actually. Oh, that's really interesting. And, and that's another thing I see that's such a beautiful change. I know I'm going back and forth, but mm-hmm. I love the way that my daughters think about other women. In, in, and I think our society is, because our society started to like really say that there's not just one woman and 900 men for each job, you right. know, I feel like their, how much they love and encourage their peers is so beautiful and impressive to me. Cause that was something that was really powerful, really strong for me. I was like a really little, little feminist in Minnesota in the sixties, like the late sixties when I was like 
you know, eight years old, nine years old. I was always a feminist, and it's always been a dirty word. It's always been a dirty word, and um, and I'm so happy that it's not. I don't understand how it could be a dirty word. No. It's just so it's infuriating to me. Yes, as and if it doesn't mean equality for everyone. I don't, I don't understand why. I don't. It's always upset me, and I'm so happy that some of these things are coming to light now. And I know that some of my fans and stuff are, are just shocked by those kinds of things. I get this on Twitter all the time, like, oh, I can't believe it, not you. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. You know, just because I appear to be very nice, this doesn't mean that I'm not a feminist. You know? right. And I, also being I, a feminist doesn't mean you're not nice. Exactly. It's just so weird to me. <laughs> I, it always blows my mind. I don't know how to answer those tweets, but I've been that way for a long time. I've loved and championed other women, women directors, women writers, women professionals. And I'm really happy to see that this new generation of women is like that, that they don't have to break each other down. I made this movie, The Year of Spectacular Men, with my two daughters, Madeline and Zoe. And I had directed TV movies and TV and all this. And I always wanted to direct a movie. People would come to me and all that, my own feature. And I just couldn't, like, get around to, like, pushing that up the hill with all that I have to do. And then my daughter, Madeline, she came home from college. She's, and her little sister was a movie star. And she, and she was like, what happened? <laughs> and she had, you know, her life, she couldn't figure out what to do with her life. And she was always so talented and amazing. And she, she had all these terrible boyfriends. And she, we were in the car, Maddie, Zoe, and I. And she goes, oh, it's been a year of spectacular men. And, I, and Zoe and I went, <laughs> Scooby-Doo. We went, that's a great title. It really is. Write the movie. You always say that to people all the time, and they don't do it. And so Maddie wrote the movie, and I was so amazed how much I loved the script. And even though it was kind of like semi-autobiographical, and there's all these love scenes that are really uncomfortable, and yeah. it was the definite a, a millennial point of view on love and life, and um, very personal. And Maddie's got a very strong spirit, and. She, you know, she had the th the way she wanted to do it, and I, I had to do it. And a lot of it, like the head tilting that I'm talking about, I mean, I just ran into our producer, Damiano Tucci, who made the movie, and I love him. And he, But he was, he's only like 28 or something, and he was like, she can't sleep with four men in a year. And I'm like, oh, please. Okay, come on, how many, what's the quota for men? Dear how many women do they I get to sleep know, with in a year? So I had to, but my own mind about how to deal with, women and young women and all of that had to I had to honor Maddie's vision but I was willing to kill myself for this film because it was with my daughters it was Maddie's vision and Zoe produced it and Zoe's helped you know get the financing because she's a movie star and helped us with some of the young men Cameron Monaghan Nicholas Braun she was friends with some of these people and, and uh, Avan Jogia was her boyfriend so we had this like incredible experience together and I got to make something for the first time in my life that was that I just made I mean I was carrying the paintings and I was you know we had no money and I was booking the planes and I was you know uh, carrying equipment up a ski hill in a snowstorm um it's so exciting to hear you describe it that way because mm -hmm. I was wondering mm -hmm. if um 
to what degree that was happening. And we had the opportunity to talk to Rada Blank, oh. who um, is premiering the 40-year-old version. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this issue of starting from scratch at 40 or mm -hmm. starting. And, and the, one of these other ridiculous biases that makes us all think that once we hit a certain age, we can't do anything new for the first time right. or do something new in a big way. Right. And you're definitely a grown-up. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and here you are taking on this big creative project. And to hear you say, I took this thing on for the first time. Right. Despite all the experience that led up to it. Right. Right. And it was delicious. It was. And I learned so much. And... I, um, and someone was saying, you know, uh, you put these things out in the world and you think, well, you know, here I'm at Sundance and we didn't get into Sundance and we didn't get into South by Southwest and that's the end of the world. And, um, we got into the LA film festival and I guess I was, you know, what did we, <laughs> so you're thinking, um, maybe it didn't do as well as you wanted it to do or whatever. But someone said to me, a filmmaker said, but wait. Do you still like that movie? Are you proud of that movie? Yeah. And every time I have an opportunity to look at it, I love every frame of it. There's not one frame of that movie that I'm like, oh, you know. And so for me, that is a really beautiful thing, you know, to have something that I act, you know, I've, I've been the muse of so many people. I've tried to help other filmmakers and do what the director wanted and, and now I do a lot of TV I direct a lot of TV so I'm trying to do what the showrunner wants and like fulfill other people's vision so this was the first time it was my vision well my daughter's but um but as a director it's like a collaborative like it was a collaborative process but you really got to have your point of view yeah and I got to make it from you know, and that's a beautiful thing about filmmaking. It is, uh, it's, it's just a unique process where so many people come together and hand make something. So with that process of making together, you're still leading a team. Yeah. And yeah. even when you have all the compromises and how many people do we need to make happy when we're leading something, mm -hmm. when you started to do that in television, mm -hmm. how did you learn to lead? That's really interesting. I think it goes back to what you were talking about. Like, it's harder for me to stand up for myself. But when I realize that this is this, um, these people have invested this money, they need this show done, and it's very easy for me to be like, we got to go now. Right. We got to go kids, now. Let's we got go. a doctor's appointment, ballet, <laughs> birthday party. Move right. it. We got to go. And so I think that, that I, uh, when, I, when it's for the, the greater good of something, it's really easy for me to stand up for myself. And um, I, I, uh, I, I think... When I first started, I started directing like 15 years ago, and there was still the worst part was there were some old DPs, and they were awful to women directors. They were really terrible. But now they're all gone. They're leave. They're not around. I so want to pause on this okay. for a second because okay. this is the third time in 24 hours really? that this has been shared. Really? Yeah. And that wow. Um, uh, the experience of your leading. Mm -hmm. And there are these mature men mm -hmm. on the set mm -hmm. who undermine your authority. Right. And, and it seems like all these women directors have gone through it. How yeah. did you handle it in the moment? You know, it's unfortunate. You have to do whatever you can do. Like, do you have to go to back to being cute? Or, you know, that would be my first default. Like, because that was your natural setting. Come on, can setting. we just get this shot? I mean, really just, we'll just do it this way. Come on, just do it for me, you know. Unfortunately, you have to do that. But did it work? Yeah. Okay. It worked. Um, but it, I feel that's not happening now. As the, as the younger DPs move in, they, they're used to it. They've, you know, 
been through the sexual harassment seminars and <laughs> they um I think also I'm lucky because people do know that I do know I've been around yeah. a long time and if they don't I remind them that I have that I know how to get it done and um I really appreciate I had this really interesting experience I directed mom that's you yeah. know that sitcom and they have one director that his name is Jamie Widows he's wonderful he does all the episodes every once in a while he goes on vacation and I got to do one. And he's a giant man, you know, with a ho, 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 laugh. That's great. You know, wonderful, but a giant man and a kind of an old-fashioned kind of Santa Claus directing, you know? He's like, hey, Joe, let's just go in there and get a close-up. And he's also been doing this for a million years. So I had to come in, watch him, and then, and I'd never done a, a four-camera uh, sitcom before, and it's a great show great actress. It really is. And uh, at, that, at that point, um, anyway, it was just interesting for me because it's all women. They were happy to have a woman. But I really had to confront. Like, I don't have to be that director. I can be my director. I get the same thing done, and I don't have to do it his was way. Was there any pause in your, in your owning that and feeling that for yourself? Was it like a little journey there, or were you at a point in life where you were like, nope, I'm going in, I'm taking it? Yeah, I mean, there was, well, I can't. I'm not 6'4", I'm not jolly, I don't have a red beard, you know, I have to do it my little hobbit Leo way. Um, but yeah, there was a moment of, uh, there's always a moment of terror, you know, when I first start, you know, and then uh, it, I always call it jumping in the cold water. I, and I still jump in cold water because I think it's really important to keep doing it. Because the minute you go like, eh, I'm scared or like, oh, it's weird. You start going backwards, and as you get older, you really have to keep doing those things that scare you, or even when you're younger, you know, because every time you do it, you go, I was scared last time, and I did it, and I made it through. I, I think that that's really important, and I really tried to train my daughters that way, and I, I really trained them that about jumping in the cold water, because it, it really can stop your whole movement forward Absolutely. If, you, if you can't just go. So I have a question for you, and this taps back into when you were talking about um, the ambition that you have when you make a film. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to get into the festivals, we want to win the awards, mm -hmm. Big, we, we want to do it. We're mm -hmm. dreaming, we're going for gold. Yeah. And um, A, how you accept what you have achieved. Like, just right. you made a movie. Can right. we just start there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's an amazing psychologist that I work with, a guy named Adam Grant, who posed the question recently um, as a to try and get insight into high performers. Mm -hmm. um, which is more important to you? Is it more important to win or not lose? Wow, that's interesting. I'd say not lose, yeah, for sure. For and, sure. And because winning is, you know, it's always empty anyway. You know what I mean? It's a little <laughs> bit empty. Um, and, and, but not losing. Yeah, I don't want to lose. Yeah, and it seems to be a recurring theme in mm -hmm. talking to people that perform especially over their lives at a very high level. Mm -hmm. That, um, yeah, you want to win, mm -hmm. but, the, but that moment, like you said, goes away. Mm -hmm. And that drive to not lose is part of what creates an ongoing um, push mm -hmm. for excellent performance. Well, this is something I learned that I think is really interesting, and I, it, was, it was this mothering skill that I had, was that if you tell someone that they're, if you tell a kid that they're smart and that's why they achieve things or that they're talented or they're beautiful, these are things you can't control. Right. And it, it robs them of, they, they actually become afraid. 
And that's the, thing, uh, that's the thing about winning. It actually makes you afraid to try again because you might lose. Right. So you want to hold on to being a winner. You want to hold on to be pretty and smart and strong. You know, and, uh, and if you tell a kid that they did well because they worked hard, they will continue to work hard and they will continue to try to not lose. But I've always done that. Like we're right. work freaks at my house and and it it's is a, it is a whole dynamic professional household <laughs> my, maddie just told me she goes because my husband's working my husband howard deutsch is a director and he's working in vancouver and she goes you guys are always in the mosh pit you're not <laughs> you're not in the balcony seats you guys you guys have been in the mosh pit for 40 years like working and trying new that's things that's where the fun is i know you're right you're right like, get sweaty, dance, get into the pit. I don't want to be in a house in Beverly Hills, like, telling people how to clean my, you know, tchotchkes. Like, I'd kill myself. <laughs> I really would rather be, like, I just was speaking at the Women's March, and they, like, sent a car, and they wrote a speech. And I was like, but I want to march. Like, I don't want to wear an outfit and be on stage. I want to be like, wear in the march And pit. carry a sign. Yes, I want to be in the pit. So this way that you, a, a really important parenting principle, but it mm -hmm. also sounds like a leadership principle. I think so, so for sure. How do you bring um, that, those kinds of values onto your sets when you're directing? I, yes. Well, I really, I've always been really appreciative of the crew, of the hard work that they do. And it's amazing just acknowledging the hard work, um, appreciating the fact that everyone's I, oh, I kind of have socialist kind of Midwestern tendencies, but that we're all, you know, part of the same thing. It's There's nice no, to have a happy culture at I, work. I know, and to not have like, of course, I'm the leader. There is a hierarchy, and the actors are important, but everyone's important, and um, and the writers. And I, I think that being creating that kind of environment, um, appreciating people's hard work, is it, it really pays benefits for me, and I have. I'm growing a collection of really beautiful letters that people give me after I'm done directing them, especially young actresses, um, about how I cre can help create a safe space for them, which really, it, it makes me verklempt because I realized a lot of time when I was a young actress that there was no self, you know, safe space for me mm -hmm. to create. And to be able to do that as a leader makes me so proud it and happy. Should. <laughs> it should. That's Sorry. in so many ways even bigger than the project that you complete. Those are each individual lives that you've touched and encouraged them. But it encourages me back in time too. You know what I mean? It's like you can, you can kind of do it, reach back and do it for yourself. <laughs> That's a, a beautifully... Um, there's such generosity in that, but it, it is also healing that when you do good out there, it helps make up for where it didn't happen inside or before. Yeah, and that's what's so beautiful about having more, um, sorry, more women in the workplace. It's, it just creates a more balanced environment. And I've been in, you know, the entertainment business since I was, uh, you know, 13. I've been an, an actress since I was 21, and I am now 58. So I've been in, I've seen it, you know. I've seen that there were all men and no women. And I love men, trust me. 
I love men. I'm a fan too. I'm a huge fan of men. But there's the yin and the yang. We need balance in our society. That was actress Leah Thompson, and I spoke with her at the Sundance Film Festival as part of our Reframe Voices of Change series. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.